0: Okay, I'm gonna, y'all need to talk. This is good in here this morning. I've loved hearing you sing, but I'm going to let you just talk for a minute. We're going to kind of set the stage for, we've got a new series called John the Baptist. Um, it's all kind of in honor of No Shave November. And so, I just want you to, yeah, that's right. Men and Brutish Women Unite. Um, <laughs> we just want to give you the chance, the chance right there where you are, just with some of your friends to talk about, um, let's talk about shaving. So I'm just kind of curious, you don't have to tell me, but just among yourselves, The average number of times a week you shave, the average number of times in a week that you shave. You got a few minutes, go ahead, talk amongst yourselves, and then I'll be back. All right. How many said, does anybody here shave every day? I'm just curious. Shave every day by a show of hands? Yes. Do you really shave every day or it just looks like you shave every day? Oh, yeah. Um, who here shaves once a week? Anybody? Once a week? Okay. Anybody just never shave? Does he really not? He doesn't anymore shave? He doesn't even trim it up? Oh, he trims. Okay, good. Maybe it's scary. Have you noticed that beards are big now? Um, I think we can thank four men for that. Do we have a picture of these guys? Yeah? We can thank those guys, can't we? Thank you, Duck. I ran it into the ground dynasty. Um, but in all honesty, beards are bigger than one TV show. In fact, I didn't know this until this week when I was getting ready for this whole series, but they have a national and world beard and mustache championship. Did, you, did anybody know that? Did you know that yesterday in Germany was the world beard and mustache championship? And if you spell mustache, M-O-U. In your Word document, it'll say you misspelled it, even though that's the correct spelling. Oh, so I had to until I said that. I see how it goes. So I brought some pictures. Some of the people that were in the World Championship yesterday were in this one. These are pictures from the National Championship in New Orleans in September. They get better. Just just flip through them. Just take your time. Just, just let, let the glory just soak in. That person's a devil worshiper, there's no doubt about it. That's actually Will Ferrell. No, it's not really, just, just kidding. That could be James, that could be you. That could. <laughs> nice. Yes, We've got a few more. Just take your time. Just... I want to grab those. Maybe a few more. That's just a bad hair day. That's not really a competition, right? Is that it? Yeah, that's all. We can't take any more, can we? So um, I'm just curious, how many people have heard before of No Shave November? Okay, good. Um, So it's, you know, this phenomenon is kind of sweeping the country and the world, and people just put their razors down for a month and go natural. Um, but I found out, you know, it started with this little group of 30 men in Melbourne, Australia. Back, I think it was in 2004, they got together and they said, hey, here, let's, let's do something. Let's raise awareness for prostate cancer and for depression in men. So 30 men get together in Melbourne, Australia, 2004, and they say, hey, let's just go one month and grow mustaches. And that became known as <laughs> Mustache November. And you're a loser. Awesome. That's my sister. It was close. If you shorten it, if you shorten it, it became known as Movember. Have you ever heard of Movember? Y'all thought that was about, like, songs from Detroit? Okay. All right. Wow. Wow. I think you have jet lag. Not me. I'm good now. So, anyway, 30 men get together. They grow it. And that's all they meant to do. Just raise awareness for that. Now, years later, that's become an international movement. It's There's a Movember Foundation. And to date, they have raised $299 million for men's health. That's pretty impressive. Now, that's small, that's something small becoming something big, right? That's something really big coming from a very small beginning. Now, just a quick promo for the Christmas series. We're doing a Christmas series this year called Big Things Come in Small Packages. And that's exactly what it talks about. It talks about things that we look at and go, oh, that's too small. Nothing can ever come from that. And the Bible says big things come from that. How many, just a show of hands, on a Christmas sometime in your life, you opened a small box going, oh, it's a small box. But inside it was like, oh, yeah. Any girls ever get a ring like that? I got car keys one time like that. I was pumped until I realized it went to my dad's Impala. Then I wasn't so pumped. But still, it was a small box. So sometimes, I guess the point here is that there's more behind the beard, right? There's more going on than just the beard. We look at No Shave November and say, oh, it's just a bunch of guys. They just decide to be lazy, and it's a couple girls that don't want to wear shorts. And so they just put their razors down, and they just don't shave. But there's more to the story than just that. There's more behind the beard. And this month, we're going to play a little bit with it. Um, I've kind of challenged the guys in the church to not shave. And some of you, in two days, it's amazing Tyler, seriously, in two days, you are a man. I'm kind of a man. Phil's not a man. But he will be. He will be. by the end. Of, I'll tell you, you'll pass me. By the end of the month, you'll have more. I'm just, I have none. I'm just not good. Joe, where's Joe? Joe, it's like, I mean, I can see your 5 o'clock shadow from here, right? Um, Daniel's, I mean, some of you guys, We're going to grow. We're just going to go a whole month. I'm giving you permission to be lazy, to not shave at all. Um, If you're going to do it with us, here's what we'd like to do at the end of the service. I just want you guys, all the guys, get together. If there's some girls that want to go without shaving for the month, and it can't be your legs. It has to be your pits. (laughs) I would have been okay with not seeing your hand there, but it's, it's all good. Thanks for volunteering. Hmm, scary. I'll be preaching on this side of the platform now. Um, But, you know, we just want to get a quick picture, snap a picture, kind of a before and then maybe a middle and then maybe after, okay? Just see who, um, who gets the biggest beard. I'm sure it will not be me. But the point here is just to have fun with what's going on in our culture. But also, we're going to take this month and really look at John the Baptist. You've probably heard of John the Baptist. Just a man in the scriptures who was a bearded man, had a great beard. But his whole point in his life was to point to another bearded man who did something much greater than he did. And that's what we're going to do this month, just kind of get to know was John the Baptist, what did he talk about, why did he talk about it like that. So while we're growing beards, we're going to kind of get to know the man behind the beard. And that's what we're going to do this morning. If you've got your note sheets, we're going to find out that John, we'll talk in the weeks to come about his mission and about his message. But this morning, we're just going to kind of talk about the man. Just kind of get to know John the Baptist a little bit. Um, if you grew up in church, you may already know the answer to this. If you did not grow up in church, right now you're thinking, so was he Baptist Is that why he got that name? Did they have Baptist churches back in the day? And he just got that name because he did a lot of baptizing. He was always dunking people, always getting them wet, and he got that nickname John the Baptist. He was unique in three ways, and here's what we're going to find out this morning. Not only was he unique in three ways, but look at the person next to you. They also are unique in three ways. Now, some of you are like, oh, I already know. My husband is unique in body odor. Right, or in the ability to sweat, or drive me crazy. But these are good things, right? You're going to find out that we're unique in three good ways. Here's number one. John the Baptist was unique in his birth. We, um, we make a big deal out of announcing people's pregnancies, don't we? I mean, we should, right? It's a good thing. Um, sometimes we get t-shirts made. I don't know if you saw on Facebook this week, but um, there was a T-shirt made. Said something about right being a big sister. Olivia's going to be a big sister because Daniel and they're expecting a child. Which we should—Daniel's not expecting a child. We should be clapping about that, right? See, we, Courtney, we always get excited because you're pregnant. We don't have to experience the pain, so we're happy for you. It's a good thing. We, that's, we sometimes we do. Um, you ever do? Has anybody ever done a reveal party? Like you get balloons, yeah, pink, whatever, blue, just to kind of let people know what gender your baby's going to be. Wendy and I, you know, we did a t-shirt thing, and that was fun, but a little boring. So uh, we gave the gift of urine one Christmas to um, Wendy's mom. I think some of you know this story. We just kind of wrapped up the pregnancy test and gave it to her. I wouldn't recommend that either. It's not the best way to let your parents know that you're going to have a child. Um, Here, mom, some urine, scratch and sniff. Oh, wow. The point here is, we go to a lot of extremes just to let people know that we're going to be born, having, having a baby. And here in Luke chapter one, um, not a lot is in the Bible about John in his childhood. But Luke chapter one, what's in there is pretty spectacular. Let me just kind of sum up his birth announcement. We find out in John in Luke chapter one that John's dad was a priest, and his mom came from a family of priests. We find out that John's dad. Goes to work one day, typical day, hanging out, doing his job, and God shows up and changes everything. Which, let me just say this, if you're like me, I want God to do spectacular things through my life. Here's what I learned in Scripture. God wants to do spectacular things through our lives too. And usually, it happens on an ordinary day. So we get up in the mornings, and we're like, God, do I have to go back to work today? Do I have to do this job again? It's so mundane. But that's where God usually shows up and changes everything, which should give us a lot of excitement tomorrow on Monday morning when we get up and go to work. Because John's dad got up and went to work. He did what he always did every day. He punched the clock. He walked in so he could be the priest on that day it was his day to function as a priest and here's what we know about John's parents they were righteous but they were childless also something our culture can relate to a lot of couples love Jesus and have a hard time having children I know many in this church have been down that road Wendy and I went down that road you've heard Phil and Jennifer's testimony we've seen God come through in miraculous ways and, and just if nothing else this morning if you're here and you're one of those couples. If you're here and you've got a couple like that in your family, can we just can we just believe that God wants to bless us with children? He wants to bless His church with babies. He loves to see women become pregnant, and so we just want to pray that right now. When we do that, God, I just thank you for how you are the author and the giver of life. I thank you that when I read Luke chapter one, God. I see a man and a woman who were faithful and yet had no children, not because they didn't want them, but because they could not conceive. And I thank you that one thing that we learn from John and his life is that you are the giver of life. And we just pray, God, for families in our church, um, for, for families that are friends of people in our church, God, that you would bless them with life in your name, Jesus, Amen. So Luke chapter 1, John's dad is doing what he always does. He walks in and he meets an angel at work. Anybody ever had that happen? Like, I've met Satan at work. He's my boss, right? (laughs) But he meets an angel at work and here's what he finds out. I'm just going to tell you what he finds out about his son. His son's promised in verse 14. He finds out that his son will bring people joy. In verse 15, he finds out that he will be great in God's eyes. And I did some studying on the word great. Here's what it means. It means visible phenomena. It's like when we say, hey, you're great. Thanks. I don't know what that means. But in this, when God said to the angel, your son will be great in God's eyes, the word for great literally meant visible phenomena. There will be things happen in his life, through his life, that people will see that will be great in my eyes. That's what God said. Man, I love that. We just want to come up with the right name for our kids, right? Right? But that's a promise. Your son will be great in God's eyes. He said in in verse 15, your son will be filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. You know what that's called? Womb service. (laughs) Thank you. And then the last one, which we really need after that. that That's a terrible joke. He was called to bring people back to God. Don't you love that? So here's... Here's um, his dad. He's in there being a priest. He's doing what he's always done. So I'm assuming there's some shedding of some blood. There's some animals. There's a lot of stuff going on that he always does. And then right in the middle of it, there's an angel shows up. Hey, guess what? You don't have children, but you will. You're going to have a son. You're going to call his, his name John. There's no John in his lineage. You're going to name him John. And here's what he's going to do. Four things he's going to do. He's going to bring people joy. He's going to be great in my eyes. He's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. He's going to bring people back to God, I don't know what your birth announcement looked like, but that is an awesome birth announcement. I mean, this is a man walking out, right? You would think, ready to tell the whole world what God's going to do through him, except he couldn't do that because he didn't believe the angel. And so because he couldn't believe the angel, the angel said, well, listen, here's the deal. It's going to happen, but you don't get to talk yet. So he walks out. You read It's in Luke chapter 1. You can read the Bible. He walks out and literally gets to do charades with the people around him to let them know, hey, okay, angel. They're like, you're going to eat lasagna and get fat? What are you talking about, dude? They couldn't figure out what he was talking about. They knew something had happened, but they didn't know what it was. And so his wife goes into hiding. She doesn't come out until she's five months pregnant. Now she's showing. like, Whoa, what happened in five months, Right. And then they have the child. That was the whole birth announcement. Because he didn't believe, he had to, He couldn't tell anybody about it. John was born without a doubt in a unique way. But here's the great news. So are you. So was I. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. Turn to that real quickly. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. Here's what God did for you, for me when he created us. It says this, For you, God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I, everybody say I, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. But you should so use that line. Guys, if you're picking up a girl, use that line. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God does good things, and I'm one of them, baby. I mean, you won't get a date, but you'll feel good about yourself when you're done. Verse 15 says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before even one of them came to be. person sitting next to you, there's nobody like him. There's nobody like you. Literally, God fashioned you, created you, made you exactly like you are, and then he threw away the mold. Not because he went, oops, let's do that one again, but because he said, it is very good. If God could talk to himself, when he finished making you, he'd go, good job. And maybe he did. But Psalm 139 says that you were not accidentally made. You were handcrafted. You were literally handcrafted. You are a masterpiece from the master. So we read about John's birth, and we go, Man, that's really unique. Now, I don't know if an angel showed up at your dad's workplace and announced you, Maybe they did. I don't know. But I know this, seeing you, knowing what it says in Psalm 139, you were unique in how you were born. You were unique in how you were fashioned and made. John was unique in his life. That's number two. Um, Do you ever talk about your childhood? Uh, I guess that's a no. No. Um, I, I just love to hear people's stories about their childhood. You ever, you know, I sometimes think back to the games I used to play. Um, my very first crush came from a girl who really loved me in the first grade. And she wrote the little, you know, do you like me, check yes, or maybe thing. And all happened on, on recess on a Monday. On Tuesday it was over. It was fantastic. Just the way we like those relationships at an early age. Right, guys? We played games. We'd go out in the woods with walkie-talkies and, you know, the whole Cowboys and Indians things. I don't know if you could do that anymore, if it's politically correct, but it was a lot of fun. Um, Man, we did all kinds of stuff. And I love to talk about it, love to hear about it. And what I found is the more I get to know, like, when you really start to like somebody, when I started falling in love with Wendy, we'd start talking about that. I love to hear about her childhood. So what would you do when you were were growing up, you know? Because there's some things I didn't do well. Like, I played Little League one year, and my sister not – Laura, but Sissy, my other sister, she, she played in the same team, same league, and she made the All Stars. Batted 600. I made zero. I batted zero. It was terrible. I got on base one time. Literally, I threw my arm out in front of the pitch. That was it. I was like, boom, got hit, got to go on first base. That's how I got on base. I was terrible. So there's some things I didn't do well in my childhood. And when I met Wendy and we started talking about it, she's like, you know, y'all know Wendy. She's just beautiful, awesome. Ah, <sighs> she's fantastic. But she was a tomboy through and through growing up. And so she talks about, you know, like picking up rocks and getting crawdads and going in the woods and throwing rocks on people's fingers and them getting smashed and blood and guts. And I'm like, I love you, right? <laughs> and I will do anything you tell me to do because I'm scared of you right now. Childhood, I mean, it's just fun when you kind of get to know somebody, you want to know about their childhood. And here's the problem with John. We, I like John. I like John the Baptist. John the Baptist is famous. How many of you have heard of John the Baptist before we started this series? Raise your hand. Everybody knows John the Baptist. Nobody knows about his childhood because there's nothing in the Bible except one verse. Just one. i would just like to have one verse summarize your entire childhood existence? What would it say? (laughs) Wendy's tougher than Paul. That's what her verse would say, right? Luke chapter 1, verse 80. This is the only verse in all of Scripture about John the Baptist childhood. Here's what it says. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. That's it. One verse. Here's what we learn from one verse. We know that he grew physically. That's a good thing. We know that he became strong in spirit, and we know that he lived in the deserts. My guess is If we went around the room and shared childhood memories, nobody's got that one, right? Like we've got the I grew physically part because I'm looking at you're all grown up. Some of us grew spiritually. I don't think anybody grew up in the desert. Maybe Big Lick. That's as close as we're going to get, right? I'm from Finger, not Desert. He grew up in the desert. This is unique. I want you to see how unique this was. He had a unique childhood. He also had a unique adult life. <clears throat> Warning, here comes some more corny jokes. I'm sorry, but his clothing was unique. So he wore camel's hair, the original camel back. Get it? Get it? Get it? All right, that's it. I'm just no more. He wore camel's hair. He wore a leather belt. That's in Mark chapter 1 verse 6. We also find out that his diet was unique. He ate locusts and wild honey. I didn't say that he ate honey in locust. He ate locust, like the bug. And while I don't know if he like caught them and then like got the thing that drizzles honey on them and then crunched them, but it's weird, man. This is like a bad diet. This is a unique diet. So he's unique in his childhood. He's unique as a man. But he's the only guy that would ever on the planet have looked at bear grills and said, You would not survive. And yet he's not the only one that lived a unique life. Guess who else does? You. Bless you. Surprising, isn't it? Because you don't feel like you live a unique life at all. You feel like you live a very boring, mundane life. But here's what the Bible says about the life that you've been called to live. Ephesians 2, chapter 10. You hear us quote this verse all the time. It tells us this, that you have been created in Christ to do good works, which he created for you to do before you were ever even born. That's you. You've been created to do good works for Christ. Unique. I can't do your works, you can't do mine. Romans 12, 2 tells us to not conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. What does that say? It says you've been called to stand out, to be different. You're unique. 1 Peter 2, nine. I love this verse. Depending on what version you have, it talks about, I don't think it's this version, but it talks about us being a peculiar, peculiar people. And you're like, yeah, I got that, right? I've got peculiar people in my life. They're weird. They're nuts. I don't want to be like them. It just means, what does peculiar mean? It doesn't mean that you're weird. It just means that you're set apart. It means that you are different. John was unique in his birth. He was unique in his life. But we're unique in the same ways. In Luke chapter 1, verse 80, it says that he grew up in the desert, right? He grew up in the desert until he appeared publicly in Israel. Here's where we are. Everybody wants to be different. Everybody wants to stand out. But at the same time, when we realize that being different means that we're different, then we don't like it. So then everybody wants to conform. I love the fact that John the Baptist grew up in the desert and waited there until God said, Hey, John, it's time. Come on. I think a lot of us will do much more for Jesus if we simply learn to do that. Just wait. Just wait in the desert. Well, my job stinks. Wait. I don't have good friends. I don't have any friends. Just wait. Be still and know that he's God. And when it's time, when he's got you ready, the way he's prepared you, created you, when he's ready for your uniqueness to be sprung onto the world. Guess what God's going to do? Hey, hey, I'm calling in the lefty. Come on. And he'll put you right where he wants you to be. I don't think that you have to wear camel's hair or eat locusts and wild honey. That would be fun to do that, though, have a little contest one of these days, just locusts and wild honey. I don't think you have to do that. But can I just be very, very honest with you? We're not changing our culture looking like culture. There's something about John the Baptist that when he walked the neighborhood, people went, that's John the Baptist. How do you know? Look at him. He's weird. He smells like the desert. He's got like locust legs hanging out of his mouth. There is honey stuck in his beard. His hair is like that one guy, you know, and I don't think we have to do that, but at some point, we've got to get this. We don't have an impact on our culture when they look at us and go, who are you again? At some point, we've got to be different, and so what does God call us to do? He creates us in our mother's womb with unique gifts, a unique skill set, and then he asks us to live a life that is set apart, created for good works to glorify him, not ourselves. Do you get the picture here? We're supposed to be a little bit different than other people. The real question is why. Nobody eats locusts and wild honey for no reason at all. I'm I'm amazed at athletes and just the, the what they put their bodies through to train. You know, Olympic athletes amaze me more than anybody else. They'll spend years, their whole life, training for literally. Like if they run track, if they're the 100 meters guy, they have run. They've they've trained their whole life. For eight seconds, nine seconds, whatever. Blows my mind. Nobody does all that stuff for no reason. Nobody in here is volunteering to be different just to be different. The, the question is why? Why was John so unique? Why was his birth unique? Why was his life unique? Why is your birth? Why are you created unique? Why am I created unique? It's for one reason, because he had a unique purpose. John was unique in his purpose, the next couple weeks, we'll start talking about mission, message, but for now, and we just say this, the purpose of God in John's life was that he would be led, that's what led him to a unique birth and life. It was the purpose of God. John knew something early on that would guide his life and his choices. He knew that he was born with a unique purpose. He knew that that purpose was prophesied over him in front of all who were present to hear it. Here's what it says in Luke chapter 1, verses 76 and 79. Let's read that. This is his father, what his father said about John the Baptist after he was born. It says, "...and you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven." To shine on those living in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet into peace. Real quick, here's the recap. He prayed this. Found out John was destined to make the way for Jesus, teach of a coming forgiveness that would lead to salvation. Reveal to people the tender mercy of God. Point to light in Jesus who would shine in the darkness and lead others toward peace. I gotta be honest, as a dad, when I pray for my kids at night, man, sometimes I just find I just feel like I'm praying the same thing. Oh, God, help him to sleep well tonight, wake up refreshed in the morning. Nothing wrong with that. Can you imagine being John the Baptist? Because I'm thinking that this is not the first time and the only time that these words were spoken around John. Now, here he's a baby. He did not have any idea what's being said. But my guess is as he grew with his family, In the desert, as he grew up, he heard this a lot. He heard, my child, you are a prophet of the Most High God. Not just a prophet. You are destined to go before and make the way for the Messiah. And John would go, the who? The Messiah. Oh, like the guy we've been reading about forever? That guy? The guy coming from God to save people? Yes. You're you're going ahead of him. You're going to prepare the way. And at some point, doesn't John start going, all right. I don't know what it all means, but I'm preparing the way for the Messiah. I mean, he, he grew up knowing, he was destined for a purpose that was unique. There has never been another John the Baptist, and there never will be. He was unique in his purpose to be the front runner of the Messiah. But so was yours, and so is mine. Now, we don't get to be John the Baptist so I don't care how good your beard looks at the end of the month, right? Nobody gets to be John the Baptist. But here's what I have found, that all of us have a common goal. The body of Christ has a common goal, and it is to glorify God, to point people to Jesus. But each one of us has a unique role to play in it. You just jot these down. Ecclesiastes 12:13. 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. That just talks about how our goal in life is to glorify God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Our goal is to point people to Jesus. Acts 1.8, you'll receive the power of the Holy Spirit and you'll be my witnesses. I, I, love, I love Acts 13.26. It says this, that when David had served the purpose of God in his generation, he rested with his fathers. So we know this, right? We know that John the Baptist, he served his purpose. We know that each one of us, we've got to serve our purpose in this generation. I've got a purpose to serve. You've got a purpose to serve. I can't serve your purpose. You can't serve my purpose. All of us have a unique purpose to serve. And when we've done that, we rest with our fathers. That's the big idea today. Here's the big idea. Like John, each of us has a unique role in a common goal. Each of us has a unique role in a common goal. All of us are going to be called to point people to Jesus. But here's what I know. Not one of us is going to do it the same way. I don't think. Man, there's some people that can really point people to Jesus with King James. I love that. I'm not that guy. I'm like, "Uh, he is right down the street. I can't do it. It's just not me. There's some people that can point people to Jesus singing, playing the guitar. We saw some of that this morning. Might not be you. Some people can point people to Jesus by preaching. Might not be you. Some people point people to Jesus by having over to their house and having coffee with them and sharing their life with them and crying with them and supporting them and laughing with them. That's probably going to be you. Some of us are better at that than others. Like, I'm a, you ever been around people that are really nice, really full of hospitality, and you just like, you're in their house for hours and then you get in the car and go, it's 1 in the morning? When I'm around people like that, I get in the car and go, I want to be like that. I don't know if I am. It might not be my gift. Some of you are so merciful. Like if somebody falls and gets hurt and scrapes their knee, you're like instant mom. You know, come here, picking them up. You're like, people are like, oh, you'll get blood all over your outfit. I don't care. Like you're ruining like this really expensive outfit because you're holding them they're bleeding all over you. And then some of you men are not that way. you like, suck it up, dude. Put a Band-Aid on it. Make it G.I. Joe. No Hello Kitty stuff here. Get that crap out of here, right? No mercy at all. But all of us can point people to Jesus. We all have a unique role to play in the common goal of pointing people to Jesus. All this month, um, we'll be growing beards, mustaches, we hope that those will set us apart as unique. But I, I want to just wrap this up showing you one last picture. Hopefully this last picture will help me to illustrate to you the uniqueness comes more from who we are than from what's on our face. Go ahead, put that last picture up. Fantastic. Thank you. It's kinda, let me just kind of glory in the moment here just for a second. So what's a rhetorical question because I have an answer for it. What's the biggest difference between those two pictures? (laughs) Like One's real. (laughs) One looks good. I know, but don't say that because we're going to be nice to that guy. (laughs) The biggest difference between those two is probably a couple million dollars, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Um, See, here's the thing. The external things in our lives never make us unique. The value of our uniqueness comes from what's behind that stuff. See, if we both shaved those beards, well, mine will be gone in a second because it was made with an app. But if he shaved his beard, he's still worth a lot of money. Do you see the difference? It's not what we do that makes us unique, it's not what we do that gives us value. It's who we are. You and I were created as unique pieces of God's handiwork, and that alone is what makes us priceless. Can I tell you the secret, the hidden secret that no pastor ever wants their church to figure out? Are you ready? You don't have to do squat to value, to matter to God. You have value to Jesus if you don't do anything. Now, pastors don't want you to know that. You know why? They're scared you won't do anything. And I'm being honest. That's a real fear for leaders. What if people really got a hold of that? What if they really got a hold of the fact that they don't have to do, you don't have to serve on a ministry team. You don't, you don't even have to come to church. You don't have to give money. You don't have to do anything to have value with God. Because you had value from the moment he knit you together in your mother's womb. You are valuable. And it's so crazy. We sang about extravagant love. Here's the stuff, here's the the part about God's love that I don't understand, I'll never understand, and if I'd have been God, I would have never done it this way. You have value even when you don't do valuable things. The prodigal son that walked away and squandered his dad's inheritance, when he came back, He still had the same value he had when he left. That's why he got the ring and the robe and the big old party. Another story for another time. You have value. There's nothing you can do to give yourself more value. So let's strip away all the stuff, right? Growing a beard will not make me tough. Yeah, it will. No, it won't. Because I'm not a beard. I'm not a beard. I'm a man. I'm a man. <laughs> I'm 40, yeah. <laughs> All the external stuff. And when you get that, when you really finally get that, then you still you still find yourself doing the other stuff. I mean, what I found is the more I find out who I am in Christ, the more I want to be on a ministry team. The more I want to give. The more I want to serve. The more I want to tell people about Jesus, but not because it makes me valuable, but because he made me valuable and I just want him to make, I want everybody to know how valuable they are. So here's my prayer for us during this series. My prayer for our church, each one of us, is that we will live our lives knowing how valuable we are to God, how valuable we are to one another, and that together we'd find our unique role in the common goal of helping others draw near to God. Jesus let me read that one more time it was really long and then we'll we'll pray my prayer is that each one of us will live our lives knowing how valuable we are to God how valuable we are to one another and that together we would find our unique role in the common goal of helping others draw near to God through Jesus John was unique in his birth he was unique in his life he was unique in his purpose and that's a great story but the really good news is that so are you.